0: All right, hello everybody. March twenty first, twenty twenty-two. It's a Monday morning. Well, kind of Monday morning still. For us, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is a first Dominic. We are yeah. recording on the day that we are releasing the MMA weekend recap. Uh, thank you guys for bearing with us. Um, it was a hellacious weekend for me. <laughs> Had a lot of fun in Tennessee, but the less said about the drive back, the better. <laughs> yeah, I've and got really, the really yesterday in general. Yesterday was not a fun day for me. Um, but Dominic, being as flexible as he is, eh. man's got his legs above his head and shit. He, uh, <laughs> he was willing to do this this morning, and then he's going to be able to get it uploaded pretty much right away. Oh, yeah. But uh, Dominic, you know, I was kind of, since I was so engulfed in this Tennessee bubble mm-hmm. my cabin that I was in with the buddies for a few days I haven't really got a chance to check in with you how was your weekend and uh did you do anything anything fun
1: uh it was a really good weekend man uh the weekend off and that was nice it's been a few days in a row so just r&r right a little rest relaxation watch the fights uh, on Saturday started at 1 p.m listen I know they don't go to London often but that time slot I kind of like the early fights, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was so amazing, the card. I literally, you know, we talk about that fight hangover we get on Sunday sometimes. I had it the night of. It it was 7 o'clock, and my brain was just melted from that night of fights that we're going to get into later. But uh, it was a great weekend, and I'm excited to be in the studio. It's a big week for us, Noah. We've got this uh, recap, obviously, for UFC London. But then this weekend, UFC's on the road columbus ohio yours truly are going to be in attendance we're going to be getting footage we're going to be getting all the goodies for you all the content here on the channel i can't wait it's going to be an awesome week
0: yeah it is pretty nuts that we are coming up on it so quickly um i am very thankful that i did not have what i had yesterday <laughs> while in columbus if i had to missed those fights due to my inability to leave a <laughs> toilet i would have been pissed yes but um yeah i'm glad to hear that you had a good weekend obviously i had a pretty decent one until yesterday it's good to have the day off monday though you know that's how you people always want to take days off like before the weekend but man that taking that monday off is so clutch that's what I i've been doing um next weekend i'm gonna have off the friday before and the monday after so i mean it's just like so nice to get that extra day yeah uh but dominic i say we just get right into it because ufc london was let's do it one of the best fight night cards ever potentially yes <laughs> um you know we tried not to like say that too much because we obviously get excited pretty much every week it's true <laughs> we we love all these cards pretty we, we always find something of value yes. on pretty much every card and it's easy to kind of Get caught up a couple really good fights, and you start talking about it being like the card of the year, yeah, the best fight night of all time. But I gotta say, this one might be one of the best. Uh, you know, the UFC did a great job here, being it first time in like three years, they were in London, the crowd was ready for it. Oh, um, the talent that the UFC has developed from this part of the world has is now kind of at a It was like a perfect crossroads where the fans were hungry for a new card in London. And the talent are rising to the occasion right now. Starts with the main event, who did completely rise to the occasion. Tom Aspinall in the main event gets the submission win over Alexander Volkov in round one. Dominic, this came pretty easy for Tom Aspinall, to be honest with you. We knew it wasn't an easy matchup on paper, but he made it look pretty easy. He seemed to get the better of the exchanges on the feet. He got the takedown when he needed it and got the submission pretty quickly. Your thoughts on Tom Aspinow's performance. And then afterwards you can talk about maybe what's next for him.
1: Yeah. I mean, what a, what a flawless performance truthfully to go in there after only having you know four fights in the UFC and to do that to Alexander Volkov, he hadn't been submitted, I don't believe, since 2010, if I'm not mistaken. So just crazy that uh, a guy, 28 years old, his fifth fight in the UFC goes in and does that to such a seasoned veteran, a uh, former Bellator champion, all the rest of it. So what a performance to do that uh, in his home crowd uh, in London. Was just uh, absolutely amazing, man. And to get a submission like that, I saw you peek in the bottom.
0: <laughs> I forgot that my audio is on there. I was trying to look something up. I was trying but, not uh, to pop yeah, in to and laugh.
1: Everybody. Anyways, but uh, it was just, it was awesome. I knew I, I made a big, I made a uh, a personal tweet out on Twitter about how I knew from the second I saw him in 2020 debut, he was going to be something special. But this was just the encapsulating moment. Um, Noah, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when when he becomes the ufc heavyweight champion in my opinion i think that performance solidified it i can't wait to see what's next and if we're getting right into that he did say Noah, after the fight there's a guy a fellow beer drinker that he respects a lot and loves watching fight mr bam bam Tai to Vasa, who i still can't believe is in title contention what a roar that that man has had and i cannot or I would say I'd be lying if I said that fight doesn't tickle my fancy.
0: Yeah, you know I I tend to when when you made that statement that proclamation or declaration about Tom Aspi being a future champion that you pretty much dug your heels in the
1: yeah
0: I don't know what you call it dug your heels in the sand or whatever yeah. and basically said this is I'm dying on this hill yes um, that's not something you do very much you don't really go out there on a limb and you have been. A day one, Tom Aspinall rider. Some, you know, obviously the, the people from Europe are the ones that find these guys first. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how we find out about these guys before they're even that far along in their development is because this, that whole area, that whole part of the world, is so dedicated to these fighters and so loyal. And they build these guys up and make them look larger than life. You know, you yeah. saw it multiple times on this card. Um, but I would say outside of those people, you were like one of the first ones to really say Tom Aspinall has title potential. Yeah, I was a little bit reluctant to just like come out for that, but he's passed every test and he's done it in a way that is impressive, both equally impressive and also allows us to understand more of his game. Yes. Even though he's not usually in the octagon very long, his wins over Arlovsky and then here over Volkov, you're learning stuff about him, his ground game, how well-rounded he really is. He did call out Taito Now, there was a, a rumor going around. We didn't address it on the show but that the UFC were looking at putting Tai Tuivasa and Stipe Miocic for the interim heavyweight title. Yeah. This summer. Now, I think the reason why we didn't talk about it is cuz one we didn't really see any real verifiable source. Right, right. Reporting it, but also because I just don't think me and you really believed it was going to happen. Nah, no. I believe Tai Tuivasa would take that fight. But Stipe and I and I I'm, I'm not saying that I agree with this viewpoint from him, but I really think Stipe wants the Nganu fight or the Jones fight. Yeah, that's And it. I don't think he's really budging on anything else. Right. So I think we both kind of wanted to believe Stipe versus John Jones would happen this summer. And while there's still probably a chance for that, the fact that like anytime it's come up, Dana's like, "No, I haven't talked to either guy." Yeah. I know maybe there is something going on behind the scenes. Maybe one of the matchmakers is talking to these guys. You know, Maybe Dana's just lying. I don't know. It's not like he hasn't lied before. I mean, the guy, you know, he has to do what he's got to do. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't surprise me if that fight, really, the UFC isn't really thinking that fight's going to happen. So what started as Stipe versus Jones, Dom, might end up being Tom Aspinall versus Ty Tuivasa in the end. Some people would look at that and go, "That's disappointing because Stipe, John Jones, you know, big stars, a lot of that's a that's a legacy fight." Yeah, but Dominic, would I be out of line to say that Aspinall versus Tuivasa for an interim heavyweight title is the fight that we should be rooting for to get made? Not because we obviously we love Stipe, yes, but let's be fair. Should John Jones really be fighting for the heavyweight title? Also, should he really be fighting in general right now? Is this the fight that we should be rooting for to get made? Uh, That's an
1: interesting viewpoint. I know you texted in the group chat and were like, "Hey, this could be the interim title fight." And uh, you know, I don't hate it. Obviously, I actually love it. I love Aspinall. I love. uh, I love boom or boom boom, bam bam, tied (laughs) to Ivasa. And look, when you look at actually like what they're doing, look at the win streaks and they're beating top competition. Like the argument, regardless of what the number next to their name says, if you look at the accolades, they're the two guys in the division with the biggest win streaks, Noah, and they're all via finish. When you put it that way, how can you not justify that being for the interim title fight? And so, I
0: guess not just to harp on the John Jones stuff, but on the Stepe side, he's coming off a loss, a one sided yes. loss to the champion. Yeah. I've already told you multiple times on this show, I made it very clear I don't love getting immediate rematches. Well, this wouldn't be an immediate rematch, but he'd be immediately getting another title fight and you know, truthfully, prob- he probably should have to win another one. Right. He probably should have to beat, like, a Curtis Blades or Maybe one gone. of these. Yeah. And and then be back in the title picture. But, I mean, again, Bay John Jones is obviously the fight that we've all been, like, rooting for yeah. to happen. But I'm almost, like, tired of talking about it. And once this Aspinall tui fight has kind of popped up now, yeah. I'm very content with just going in that direction and i really don't feel any sort of disappointment with that i don't feel like i'm settling which is a very strange feeling because we've been talking about steve bay versus jones for multiple years now yeah and it's a good play. it's honestly a good place to be in like i feel like i have almost uh like, I feel like Bay versus Jones was, like, a ex-girlfriend, and I'm finally, like, over her. You're right. And now right. I got my new girl, Aspinal versus Tui Vasa.
1: Ooh, I, I love that.
0: Logistically speaking, the July, apparently the, the plan right now, there's two cards in July. Uh, yeah, yeah. One is the first week of July, and one's, like, the last week of July. The first week of July card... What's the be big UFC 276? Yep. International Fight Week. Is International Fight Week. I believe the plan is for one of those. And I think the first week card is supposed to be headlined by Kamara Usman versus Leon Edwards. Yeah. And then the one at the end of the month is supposed to be headlined by Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier. That's the okay. plan as I've understood it. Okay if you had stepe versus tuivasa or Stipe versus jones or stepe versus aspinell i don't think you put Stipe in the main event no no you can't you look at the way the ufc's always done things you know they for a while there they had that rule where it was like the heaviest champion was always at the top of the card which is kind of weird it's a weird yeah. rule to make just put your biggest star up there yeah but i, I don't think you should put an interim title necessarily over the a legit title. But I don't see Stepe being the co main event below Kamara Usman. I see where so, you're going. That's why I think you do the interim title between Gone or excuse me, now Tui Vasa. That's your co-main event. That's a perfect co-main event. Because neither of those two guys I even though they both have a lot of potential, you know, Tui Vasa's really made a name for himself. is still trying to really Work his way into the casual fan base. Yep, there's not a lot of pressure on them to carry the pay per view. Right. Um, So that's that's the probably the biggest reason. It like fits. It's a more perfect puzzle piece to fit right there on the co main event.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and I like where your head's at, Noah. Uh, it, It really does. When you break it down and look at the state of this division, that's the fight that truthfully makes the most sense with our current sitting champion, Francis Ngannou, out for, you know, nine twelve 12 months.
0: Now, let me ask you this question before we move on. There's mm-hmm. one fighter who we haven't even really mentioned so far. You just brought up Ngannou, how he's out for nine months. That's kind of the reason why we think an interim title is going to be introduced. I believe we talked about that on Friday Yeah. or Thursday, excuse me. Surreal Yeah. who did lose the title fight in January, he's a former interim champion. Is there a chance that he could be brought into this mix? Or is, do you think that the momentum riding with Aspen, and to Vasa and the fact that they are on such win streaks is enough to kind of keep him out of the picture, at least for this fight we're talking about, because I've seen a lot of people making the argument that, well, isn't Aspinall versus Gon the more competitive fight on paper?
1: Okay. So I'm actually glad you brought this up because I was going to send a text. I actually had the text, believe it or not, typed out to send in our group, and I did not send it. As Tom was walking to the cage, I was going to say, if he beats Volkov here, and specifically I was going to say, I think like if he walks through him, uh, I can't wait to see Aspinall versus gone, Paris versus London, the battle of Europe. That's a massive, very big fight The two, the future, the next wave of talent in the heavyweight division. And that's what I was going to say, but I held back on it. And lucky I did because he called out Tai Tuivasa, Tom, that is. And I love everything about that fight. So yes, Gong can throw his hat, you know, in play here. He can, but I think if you can delay that, the Tom versus surreal gone fight just a little bit. Maybe gone gets one more win. Say, you know, Aspinall does fight to ivasa and beats him. I just think there's a time and place where that fight could be absolutely massive for the UK, for Europe, for MMA in that region. So yes, gone can make noise, but I think the UFC will side with to and Aspinall and long play Tom versus gone. That's what I'm, that's where my head's at.
0: I like that a lot. And even if, now were to lose that fight to Ivasa. that could always be a fight night headliner in London True. or yes. in one of those different areas over in Europe. So yep. um that could be, there, there's a lot of fun matchups here in the future that I could see playing out. It's just nice to have a heavyweight division that feels like this. 100%, man. And it's so crazy that we're this excited about the prospects and the potential of this division when, your champions out right now for the rest of the year. Yeah. The number two, well, the former best heavyweight of all time hasn't fought in a year. and doesn't seem all that keen on coming back. Mm -hmm. And then you have the maybe best fighter of all time at light heavyweight looking to move up, but he hasn't fought in two years and has had obviously more troubles outside the octagon. So he's kind of been radio silent. So you would be shocked to, Feel like this division is doing so well when you have those three things going against it. But I like where it's at. And obviously, next weekend, you have the headliner in the heavyweight division. I know a lot of people aren't like super thrilled on Blades versus Dawkins, but I do think there's a chance that the winner of that fight gets a matchup with like a surreal Gone next. So,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. um, It's not necessarily going to have a bunch of implications immediately, but. Obviously, the winner will get a pretty big fight following up, I think. Right. Now, let's talk about the co-main event, Dominic. And uh, this one was... We we were very conflicted on this (laughs) fight. Um, And I think this is kind of a direction that we thought was possible. But just almost unfathomable at the same time. Mm -hmm. Arnold Allen ultimately gets the TKO, the standing TKO. Wasn't it standing?
1: Yes, yes. Yes,
0: of Dan Hooker in round one, about two and a half minutes in, um, Arnold Allen simply ran ran through him. I mean, Literally it was brutal. He, I mean the sh- He the the accuracy in his punches, despite the speed and power with which he threw, was so impressive. Yeah. Um, God, I mean we we got to shower Arnold Allen some love here, but Dominic. I can't help but feel like the bigger story of this fight is Dan Hooker. Yeah. And and his ultimate, I mean, this is his re-debut in a division he's been in before at Featherweight. A lot of people online saying he looked slow. Yeah. He obviously couldn't take the the damage that he could take at lightweight. He looked sluggish. Did you get that same uh did you walk away feeling the same way, or was Arnold Allen just that damn good this night?
1: See, yeah, to me it was the latter. I thought it was just Arnold Allen. It, you look at the fight; it went two minutes. I felt like it, it went two and a half minutes. I feel like two of the two thirty was Arnold Allen just absolutely blitzing Dan Hooker and not stopping. So, like, you look at it as like, oh well, he had thirty seconds. He can't. He looked really slow. Like. I don't know. I wasn't with that sentiment. I thought Arnold blitzed him off the get-go. Hooker was on his back foot. I mean, what do you want him to do? Because if he fired any, you know, big, crazy shots himself, Arnold could potentially just chin him, even though he ended up doing it inevitably anyway. So it was Allen's performance to me all day that really took the cake here. You're right, though. I mean, it is still a big storyline. You're looking at Hooker. He's lost uh, four of his last five fights, and again, on – you, when you hear that, it's like, oh, you know, he's in a really tough spot. Look at who he's fighting. And, like, it's insane. It's Poirier. It's Chandler. It's Islam Makachev. It's Arnold Allen, number seven in the featherweight division, coming down 10 pounds. Like, And even Dana kind of backed it up post-fight. He's like, listen, this kid takes fights. He'll fight whoever it is. He can take some time off, and he can do whatever he wants. So the respect is all the much still there for uh, Dan Hooker. It was Arnold Allen's night. It was his chance to make a statement to let the 145 pound division know, hey, you've been forgetting about me. Now I'm nine and zero, and I just finished Dan Hooker. I mean, I, it's impressive, man.
0: It really is, and I'm glad that you're, you know, more willing to give more shine to Arnold Allen because even on this card, where again, every fighter from that part of the world was getting like just a yeah. like you know, applause and showered with love his was a little more quaint his yep. reception. You know, he's just, he's not that guy that like a Patty Pimblett is who like feeds into a crowd mm-hmm. or really gets a crowd eating out of his hand. He's just, he's a more level headed composed yep. guy overall. Um, but he, he is definitely, this was a big statement for him because Dan Hooker is a well-respected opponent. And maybe that was more the, why the audience reacted the way they did where, It got really quiet. I think a lot of people just respect Dan Hooker, and it's like kind of a shame that it had to go that way. Now, I do agree with you partially. I think this is the best Arnold Allen's ever looked. I mean, he landed, I think, at like almost 60% accuracy. It was crazy. Which is pretty unheard of, but then you consider the fact that he was kind of just blitzing with exchanges, Mm -hmm. and it's just, I mean, that's unfathomable impossible i mean you just don't see that um i will say for dan hooker even if i believe this is more of just a credit to arnold allen's performance i just think it's an ill-advised move to stay in this division yeah the speed obviously was a problem for dan hooker and I feel like we already knew that from when he was first in this division. I feel like that was kind of one of the reasons why he moved up. Obviously, the cut is a lot on him. He's a yeah. big lightweight, so let alone a featherweight. Yeah. So obviously, he wasn't going to have a speed advantage because he's the bigger guy, but it wasn't even close. I mean, Arnold Allen, Dan just, his head movement wasn't there. He mm-hmm. wasn't able to block punches. They came in too fast. And once he got hit clean, he was on wobbly legs the whole rest of the fight. Now, things got really crazy there for a minute. I mean, Hooker landed a crazy punch that nearly had Allen on wobbly legs. But for the most part, it was one-way traffic. And some people are looking at this like he's in a dire spot of needing to contemplate retirement or something. And I'm just calm down, people. I mean, look, he needs to take a step back. You know, this is kind of like when he fought Nazareth Press. Exactly, he needs to fight some so, like an opponent like that. A couple names I thought of, even though unfortunately I think they're going to fight each other, is like a Bobby Green or a Drew Dover,
1: mm-hmm.
0: someone on that level. Hell, fight Patty Pimblett next. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just.
1: Kidding. But you are, you're also calling to go
0: back to 55, though. So. I think he goes back to 155 pounds. I mean yeah. this this was not a good decision. I -hmm. think that's my, and and I mean, maybe if he fought someone a little lower ranked, someone of a lesser uh, degree of skill, maybe it goes differently. But Dominic, do you kind of agree that you feel like this move might have been ill-advised, and maybe he should go back. Or do you think he sticks it out here at 145 pounds?
1: Yeah, yeah I, I I tend to agree with you. It was already kind of weird when he made that announcement. You know, like I get it. You've been you've lost a few at lightweight, but dude, like it's against title contenders. Like it's no big deal. And yeah, he, like, like
0: I know he got smashed by Chandler and Makachev, but like the Poirier fight was one of the fights of the year, and he was right in that.
1: Yeah. And the Islam one, he was on like what, three, four weeks notice. So it's like, really, it's just like that Chandler one. And he got chinned. you know, that was just a huge debut for Michael. So I think back to the drawing board, take some time off, you know, just get away for a bit, take a breather. Uh, And I think we're going to see him back in there. Just some recovery time I think would do a lot for him. I also would like to see him at 55. And uh, I also just got to ask you to back to flipping back to Arnold Allen, before we move on to the next one, he called out Calvin Cater. No, I just got to get your initial thoughts on that matchup because, I mean, I I have no gripes.
0: Yeah, I honestly think with this win, you could tell me he's going to fight Max Holloway next, and I would say that it's well-earned.
1: Damn right. So
0: him calling out Calvin Cater, I think, is very smart Mm -hmm. because I think it shows, like, Calvin Cater is ranked number 5. Calvin Cater is coming off a great win against Giga Chikadze. But... I thought Arnold Allen, you know, a lot of guys, they kind of, you know, it's their career. They sort of inflate their level of importance sometimes. Mm-hmm. I could have seen him with the win here over Dan Hooker calling for a title shot or something, which would have been like, okay, I like it. You're confident, but probably not going to happen. Right. Right. But he calls out Calvin Cater. And that's like the next guy up. And I'm like, you know what? I love Good it on you, Arnold Allen. Like being realistic with the call out. Yeah. I think that's an awesome fight. That's a fight night headliner. Again, Arnold Allen, that's what should be next for him. He gets a headlining spot. Calvin Cater, a guy in his main event experience who has been on the reverse ends of a beatdown. So, you know, (laughs) who knows what kind of performance we're going to get out of Calvin if that were to happen. Yeah. But the winner of that fight, make no mistake, is right there for a title shot. And Arnold Allen should be in that conversation yes it's just taken him longer than probably necessary to get the opponents to make his resume look even better couldn't have said it any better moving on to the feature bout <laughs> but the people's main event
1: <laughs> yeah it seems that way
0: <laughs> uh patty pimblet in his second outing in the ufc he ultimately gets the first round submission after weathering a slight storm early over Kazula Vargas, now Dominic, I, I guess we'll just start here by talking about the performance mm-hmm. from Paddy Pimblet, and all, all you know, just a little bit about the reaction he got from the crowd. Your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, well, it's clear that uh, in the UK, in that market, he could be a star. It's actually he it seems he's already a star, but he could become something very big for the UFC potentially. Uh, should they utilize him the proper way? Get him the. Uh, I'm not going to say they're going to like pity, patty cake his matchups. No pun intended there. <laughs> but uh, it's just, I think they could be on to something. And I think they realize that, especially now being over there. Because it's like, you know, Connor was a big deal when he came in. I'm just comparing for the namesake value. Mm-hmm. Connor came in, did good, right? But when he went to Ireland and did a show, that was the moment you're like, oh shit okay right this is big so um I think patty that's kind of what this was for him being there in in that region in the uk uh performance wise again not perfect he he got hurt in his first fight against uh Luigi he gets a little banged up here in the beginning uh against Vargas but uh we got C's grappling which I was excited to see because he was known kind of Four, like he has more submission wins than knockouts. In well, his he was known
0: for very flashy submissions. Yeah, you know, two flying triangles on. he's yeah. got.
1: So, uh, he, he got back up because he was on his back for like a minute or two there to start. Lands a beautiful judo throw, it was very nice. And then from there, it was smooth sailing. He transitioned right to the back, got the rear naked choke, and uh, he's two and on the UFC, two finishes, two bonuses. So, uh, again, it was a good performance. I'm not like I'm probably a little bit more on it, on the Patty thing than you may be, and I'll let you get into it. But still, I have plenty of hesitations uh, left to be had before I really can be like, okay, we're on to something Connor-like.
0: Yeah, when we look at this performance, I mean, this apparently is very typical Patty. Obviously, I wasn't very familiar with Patty Pimblett's, you know, Cage Warriors career and whatnot. You know, that's just, that's something that I'm not, been able to indulge myself in, but I've tried to learn more about why people view him so highly, and it's not just the personality or the skill set. But Dominic, each store, each fight is like a story, and that, that it, there's dramatic turns. Mm-hmm. And I guess both UFC fights have kind of told the. I mean, really, both UFC fights so far have gone somewhat similar. He gets cracked by a punch from Luigi here with. Kazula, um in that in the Luigi fight, it looked like Luigi was winning most of the first round before yeah. Patty comes back and cracks him and ultimately gets a brutal knockout finish. Yeah. here. Kazula Vargas has him on the ground. Patty's able to get back to his feet, able to do like a judo throw and then get a submission uh, again in the first round. So, I see the where the intrigue is. I see where the the investment in this guy is. If you really have been following him for a while, I can understand why people are so impassioned by Patty Pimblett. I as personally, you know, I wanna watch the best fighters in the world and and I wanna be realistic in my evaluation of people. Mm-hmm. This is a good win. He did it, you know in dramatic fashion, but you know, outside of like one punch and yes, he was on his back for a little bit. I mean, more impressive that he's able to get back to his feet, able yeah. to do. So it's still a win. It's a good win, but both UFC fights still give me a lot of pause, a lot of calls for concern. I do think once he eventually gets to fighting higher, higher skilled, higher level ranked guys, that he's going to run into a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And it's up to the UFC and Patty Pimblet himself to sort of manage that properly. Because I keep bringing this this name up, but I worry that Patty Pimblet could be like a... And I know the star power is different, but just right, bear right. with me. I worry he could be a Sage Northcut or a Mickey Gall. One of these guys that's very young, green, but shows some potential, whether you know Mickey Gall was had the interesting route of being the guy that welcomes CM Punk into the UFC. But he did that with a professional record of two and zero at the time. Yeah, He's had his moments. He's kind of been a 500 guy in the UFC, but nowhere near what people maybe thought was in his future after that win. Yeah. Stage North cut's an even more probably closer example to Patty. This was like a wonder kid who Everybody thought it was gonna be like this huge deal. Yeah. He had the look, he had the personality, he had the skill, he had a very fun fight style. But the UFC started giving him tougher matchups quicker than they probably should have. And he paid the price for it and mm-hmm. ultimately kind of lost his shine. And now he hasn't fought in like four years. So yeah. Um I just worry something like that could happen with Patty because Let's be honest. I know we, I think Friday we both kind of said we thought the Tuporia fight might be on the table. But Dominic, I, I got to be honest, and people might not like me saying this. That's the last matchup that the UFC or Patty Pimblet want right now. Ilya Tuporia, if I had to guess, would do <clears throat> some pretty bad things to Patty Pimblet right now. Paddy Pimlet's still got a lot of improving to do, so I'm sure he will do that. But I'm just being realistic. I'm just, If he's going to continue to kind of have these beefs with people too, that's another thing is like, yeah, I think a lot of people want him to fight to yep. next. So if he keeps, you know, he has this, I and mean, I get it, that's part of his charm is like he's got the personality that like some people love, some people hate. But, you know, he kind of instigated this with Tuporia, at least from what I understand from the Twitter exchanges. So if there's no payoff, if it's just shit talking, and then when it comes time to like sign a contract to fight him, he goes like, oh, nobody even knows this guy. I don't want to fight him. Well, okay, you can maybe get away with that a couple times, but is he going to continue to kind of make these waves where he – gets into these Twitter beefs with I've even seen him and like Terrence McKinney go at it a time or two mm-hmm. like but is he, but do I think he's going to take a fight with Terrence McKinney no eventually people are going to get tired of like these setups for fights like it feels like a good setup and then there's no payoff yeah it's going
1: to have to happen eventually
0: because I feel like what's going to happen here is you're going to get his next opponent that's going to be announced whenever will probably be another guy that you've don't know much about. He was probably another guy that's, whether it's a guy making a debut from a contender series or someone who's only fought a hand one or two times in the UFC. I don't think he's going to get a Terrence McKinney or a Drew Dober or Bobby Green or, you know, my God, some people thought we're talking about him fighting Tony Ferguson after his first fight. Mm. Like, I'm sorry. It's just people reputable, reputable people. I mean, you know, we love Robbie Fox, like with Barstool and um, you know, he's a big Patty fan. Obviously they have Patty signed, but even him, like a guy who I respect his opinion on, he seems to have inflated Patty's skill level at this point. And I kind of get it. Like he's in a, you work with the guy. Yeah. But it just shows that I think that Patty does have something here but it's almost like to his detriment because he has people eating out of the palm of his hand, believing that he's like the best thing, some sliced bread. But it could also be his ultimate downfall. If someone at the UFC start to believe that too and push him into a really tough matchup before he's ready.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't help but think as you were going there, my mind immediately kind of linked Patty to the early, Days the early rise of uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley and the way that mm-hmm. he was this the, a lot of, a big deal right from the Contender Series, but they have been relatively careful with how they have matched Sean up so far, making sure that they can build upon this. He had his faltering moment, uh, you know, against Cheeto Vera, where he lost that one, a legitimate loss, by the way. I know Sean <laughs> says otherwise, but uh, you know, you look at those early fights, one, two, three, four fights into the UFC, and he was kind of. No no big name value, really. Because even when he lost to Cheeto at that time, Marlon's at a much higher level now, I feel like, than what he was when that fight happened. But then you look at you know Sean's getting into beef with people on Twitter and calling people out on his podcast and on his Twitch stream and stuff. So there's small relative comparisons between the two. And you're right when it just comes to if the UFC wants to fully capitalize on this, which it can be big if they do, they have to be selective and careful with Patty But at the same time, again, kind of like what I kind of said, is eventually we're going to have to see one of these rivalries come to fruition in the cage. We're going to have to see him get tested ultimately. So it's just like, when could it happen? You know,
0: There are a lot of people are wanting this, you know, the slow build. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah. But the UFC has also never really been a promotion that, Get, does gimme matchups or right. gimme fights? You know they they pride themselves on pairing the best of the best against the best of the best, and if you can't cut it, then you're not going to stick around long.
1: Yeah.
0: So when I hear people going, you know, I've heard people say on the other end of that, well, that they want more gimme matchups, like for someone like Patty Pimblet to kind of grow in, kind of like what Bellator does with. They're young stars. You yeah. let them really fight the guys that are well below their caliber, but it it gives them experience, right. it helps them build up their talent, build up the star power, you know. And I've heard people say, "Well, why don't we have more matchups like that in the UFC? Like it's, you know, it's building, like it's doing good things for this fighter. If we're, I don't want." If the UFC did it for everybody, that's fine. But I definitely don't want them to do it just for Patty Pimblett, like just piggy for favorites. yeah, like yeah. No. To me, that's worse than Yeah. not doing that at all. Like I understand for business, that would probably be the best move. But again, his mouth is writing checks that I don't think he can keep. Wait, that he can't cash. There it is. <laughs> And it's going to catch up to him eventually unless he – maybe he will surprise me, but, I mean, I think that Tuporia fight, like, I think that was uh, – it got a lot of eyes on him, and I think a lot of people were expecting that fight next. I don't and a lot it. of people who are, you know, Barstool people, they don't know who Ilya Tuporia is. Yeah. So they are, like, kind of thinking, Patty's going to smash this dude. And then when Patty's like, well, I'm not actually going to fight him next, they're kind of like, well, why – why wouldn't you, Patty? Like you could beat the shit out of them and sorry guys, not quite not quite the story there.
1: Yeah, and we'll be talking about Ilya later and you'll see why yeah, that might yeah. not happen next. Yeah.
0: Now before we get into the rest of this card, we do have a little news story that came out from the weekend. Uh, Tommy yeah. McGregor. He couldn't he couldn't let these guys in London just have their moment, have their day. He had to go make some more headlines and <laughs> Dominic he he was talking about a, his return fight. and You know, Conor's been definitely trolling a little bit. On yeah. The yeah. He, some of his tweets, he said he can't wait for his return fight against Charles Oliveira and stuff, how he's just going to come right in to a title shot at lightweight. And, you know, everybody's been up in arms and nervous about it because we think that we have a, you know, Justin Gaethje, mm-hmm. Charles Oliveira's going to happen. We feel like Islam Makhachev the a clear number one contender after that. So everybody's nervous. Conor McGregor's just going to waltz right in yeah, and get a title shot. And we've been like, no, guys, calm down. It's probably not going to happen. Obviously, Dana's been reluctant to just say no. Yeah, But I think more of that's because, like, why would you, when Conor right. McGregor's your biggest star of all time, why would you just say there's no chance when maybe a, enough – things get lined up into place to where it would make sense. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, here's something. (laughs) Conor McGregor believes uh, that his return fight will be versus Kamaru Usman for the welterweight title. That's right. (laughs) Uh, The title that Conor has said for years, ever since he won the lightweight title against Eddie Alvarez, he's been saying for a while there, he was calling, he said he would knock out Tyron Woodley. Yep. And, um, you know, he's he's had a lot of aspirations to be a three-division champion. Uh, Dominic, over, under, 40% chance that this fight actually is Conor McGregor's return fight.
1: Uh, under. Uh, definitely under. I, hey, Conor finds a way, though. He, I think it was with the Mac Life, this interview. And he's like, hey, look, I knocked out Jose Aldo to become 45 champ. I knocked out Eddie to become the 55 champ. I'm going to knock out Usman and become the 3 weight welterweight champion, which if he were to do that, by the way, that would be <laughs> insane. But, yeah, uh, way under, actually, 40%. Uh, you know, we've got uh, Leon and uh, Kamaru scheduled to fight in July. Dana almost basically broke that on BT Sport, essentially. Just no official thing from the UFC's Twitter. But So that's going to happen in July. Kamaru says he wants to box. Dana is definitely not down with that. Listen, Connor he's got the star power. He's got the name value. Uh, and I guess technically like he's won more recently at welterweight than he has at lightweight, I suppose when you look at it that way, but, uh, no, I, I can't, I will be utterly bamboozled if he comes right in, um, and gets a title shot because no, quite frankly, there's a guy named Hamzat Chimaev that fights in three weeks that may just say, hold my beer, Connor, uh, on that title shot thing. So, uh, yeah, I'm going under 40%. What about you? Are you are you leaning over? I'm kind of getting the vibes here through the webcam.
0: <laughs> I think there's a much higher than 40% oh, chance man. that this happens. <clears throat> and I'm going to tell you why, Dominic. Okay, okay. Because the UFC is going to bypass Leon Edwards and put Kamaru versus Cotton. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I know the Leon fans were freaking out there for a second. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't worry. You should be concerned. If Connor was ready by July, the first week of July, <laughs> oh, then you'd have reason to be worried because, but I think Leon's got the shot. I think yeah. he's going to, he'll be fine. Also, by the way, I'm kind of, I was kind of happy that the crowd gave Leon a good reception. Yeah. Um. You I know, agree. He just, he seemed happy. I just, it made me feel good. Like, I just feel like that guy just, you know, even though part of it's well, part we of it's off, him when we're yeah. off camera, I'm kind of one of the people disrespecting them, but it's, it's all for debate. It's for debate. Right. This point. Right. Yeah. Right. Anyways. But I think if Kamaru wins that fight, that's where the over comes in, I guess. Okay. I really think his next title defense could be Conor McGregor. I you you mentioned Hamzad Chimayev. you know, I've been saying and we kind of flipped spots here because I was the one that's saying, well, if Hamza beats Gilbert Burns, then he's getting a title shot. But Dominic, now I'm starting to think, well, or you could do Kamaru versus Connor in November, MSG. Hamza versus Colby Covington perhaps as the co main event. <laughs> or somewhere in that time frame. Do I love it? No. I, I don't <laughs> love it at all. But let's just to be clear, I think there's a much higher percent chance that this fight happens than Connor versus Charles Oliveira's as his return fight.
1: Wow. Okay. That's interesting.
0: Because that a... you have to look at the champions too. Now Charles Oliveira has said yeah. that he would fight Connor McGregor. Yeah, of course. But when you evaluate Charles Oliveira and Kamaru Usman as champion, which one of those guys right now feels like they're wanting a money fight more? Usman. Usman, talking about Canelo. Yeah. Which, the only good thing about him versus Conor McGregor is it would make him stop talking about Canelo Alvarez. (laughs) That's true. Um, That's true. But if Kamaru knocked him out, Conor McGregor, that is, then – He's probably going to be like, look, I knocked out the best boxer in MMA. <laughs> yeah, Canelo, I'm coming for you. Yeah, yeah. Look, I I'm kind of rambling here, but basically, I think there's a really good chance this could happen. That's interesting.
1: I I didn't think you would side that way, especially I like your thought of like I think this is a way more probable thing than Connor with the lightweight title. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, and it. <sighs> It's hard to say, man. I think a lot of it's timing right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want Hamzat to get that title fight so bad. If he wins, yeah. You no, know, just Gilbert Burns might, of course. You know, but at least if Connor does come in and get a title shot, can you imagine if Connor won? and You did Connor versus Hamzat.
1: Oh boy. Oh boy.
0: <laughs> but. That way, that sets up two big fights for the UFC.
1: Yeah.
0: Again, it's like if you don't do Connor and Usman or Con, like yes, there are other fights for Connor, but they're kind of dwindling now. The opportunities left for him.
1: Yep.
0: Nate versus Poirier is probably going to happen. <laughs> Poirier, that might be his last fight. Yeah. Nate, that might be his last fight on his contract. Although I believe. If that fight is to happen, it's probably going to be for Nate to sign for another yeah. three fights or something. You have the Jorge Masvidal fight, which we said now would be the time for that to happen. True. I still think that's probably the biggest fight the UFC can do, no matter who's involved. But Connor obviously has this, you know, inflated vision of himself currently and thinks that he's still a title challenging fighter, so. And I don't see the UFC telling him no, and I I definitely don't see Kamaru Usman saying no to that fight. Oh, no. And yeah. Dana respects Kamaru so much that he kind of allows him to call his shots. Yeah, that's Why true. would Kamaru pick Hamzat over Conor? Yeah, you're very right. And, then you, and then you get a second big fight because you could do Hamzat, assuming he beats Gilbert, over Colby Covington.
1: Yeah, yeah. And in, in either way, you know, if Kamaru and Connor were to fight, if Kamaru beats Connor. Kamaru's already kind of put himself. He's pretty big, you know. Yeah. He's really getting generating a lot more publicity lately. But if he beats Connor, superstardom against Hamzat. Connor beats Kamaru. Connor's Connor. He has a belt, three weight world champ against Hamzat. Like,
0: yeah. He is due to winner of those two matchups against yeah. each other next, and that fight <laughs> already is bigger. That's true. Yeah. Even if Colby were to, that's true. If Colby wins and Kamaru wins, I believe a trilogy probably happens. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: And it would make sense because if Colby beat Hamza, you imagine what that would do for him. Wow, we're really chasing rats. I mean, I did not expect on this. I know. I really, I didn't expect it until.
1: (laughs) We're really snowballing. Me, obviously,
0: once I brought up the over/under, I was like, "Oh God, I guess I do think there's a good chance this happens." I mean, it just—I've been wondering. Like, I've, I've been so not invested, or even believed in this whole Charles Oliveira fight to happen. But once this came up, once he brought this up and said that he's gonna do that, I was like, oh okay. Yeah, I could really see that. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why I don't I just don't see the lightweight title shot happening. Part of it is because I think he again, he doesn't have the losses stacking up at welterweight that he does at lightweight right now. Um and look at his physique lately too. He's can even get to 155 again, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's it I know we've we've probably gave an answer when we say what's gonna be Connor's return fight. We probably give him five different answers on this show.
1: That's the power of it though, man. That's
0: how he does things, man. He keeps keeps himself relevant. Yep. Yep. But Dominic, I'm ready to get back into some UFC London talk. Oh, there's so much more. Molly McCann with the spinning back this KO over Luana, Carolina.
1: Carolina. Uh, Carolina. Man. Wow. Now,
0: <laughs> Molly McCann's an interesting fighter because she's in the UFC up to this point, she's been kind of there. You know, yeah. she's had she's always in some fun fights, but she's won some, she's lost some. But her name's been relevant enough and I think it's because of this market. Yeah, that's true. That we've had to kind of keep an eye on her. And here was the reason why it's a good thing we've been keeping an eye on her. Because this was her shining moment. Yeah. This was her breakout moment. Breakout Mm -hmm. moment of the year, dare I say. Mm -hmm. Gets a brutal knockout after what was a dominating fight for her to begin with. And gets signed by Barstool, the crowd eating out of her hand. Yeah. What a night for meatball molly mccann dominic your thoughts on this knockout
1: um unbelievable it's hilarious we're about to talk about the other knockout on the card that was crazy (laughs) but before this fight the unnamed knockout that we'll get into to me i was like knockout of the year most vicious one shot out cold knockout knockout of the year so far for 2022 meatball molly says Hold my meatball sub, bud, because I'm going to come out here. And not only did she get that crazy knockout, but the fight was badass, too. I mean, her volume was insane. Again, she always fights like that. But then to get that spin, it was perfectly timed, beautiful. You could see, like, when you watch the replay, she was kind of looking. And, like, she knew, like, okay, here it is. Bam, out cold. Uh, You don't see many vicious knockouts knockouts like that in women's MMA. So uh, that was vicious. It was brutal. It was her star-making moment. Uh, and it was it was a feel-good moment for Molly. It really was. Again, she's been through her ups and downs, wins and losses, been relevant because of her fight style and her name and the region. But this one really, like, put her on the map. I don't know necessarily, like, what could be next for her. But, again, it's always going to be fun if Molly is in it. So just an amazing moment it really was for her.
0: Yeah, I, I could, couldn't have really said any of that any better Um, yeah I mean it was just an incredible knockout Um, you brought up that you don't really see that much in women's MMA and I'll even go a step further Dominic you don't really see that much (laughs) in MMA in general Yeah, but yes it makes it all the more impressive like women getting KO'd cold does not happen very much yeah sure you'll get like a 45% of finishes in women's MMA but as far as like KO'd cold, yeah. It's way much
1: less. Yeah,
0: yeah. Ilya Tuporia, Dominic, that other knockout you were (laughs) talking about. He KO's Jai Herbert with a vicious combination in the second round, about a minute in, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. It wasn't flawless, it was a little dicey there in round one. Jai Herbert, we as we said, even though we both were very big believers in Tuporia and his skill set, and even went as far as putting money on him to win this fight, win it via finish, we said Herbert can cause some problems. Man, that he He's did. He's got the size advantage. He had a good, very good striking background, and that showed early in round one. He looked fantastic in round one. Mm. And Tuporia looking a little undersized here. This was his first fight at yep. 155 pounds in UFC. But man, Tuporia, when he came out in round two, he looked just different. Yes, he looked he looked more like he had adjusted and co- uh, just confident and got into the pocket, was willing to trade some shots and landed a perfect combination that knocked out Jai Herbert. Dominic, your thoughts?
1: Um, yeah, to over to do what he did and come into that second round and make it look so easy was unreal. He literally ate a head kick straight to the face, shattered his nose. Blood was everywhere. He was rocked. Uh, So the fact that he survived that first round is reason enough to just be like, damn, kid, you are one tough SOB. But then to come out in round two and not eat what it go a minute and seven seconds. And then the, the combination that he landed. I don't know if anybody's seen Ilya knock out Damon Jackson, but very reminiscent of that in which, He closes the distance to where Jai Herbert couldn't utilize his reach, pushes him up against the fence, and then overhand, left hook to the body, then brings the right overhand one more time, out cold. Jai Herbert's body floated in the air, knocked him out, and his body, like, twisted, and he (laughs) collapsed on the floor. It was absolutely brutal. You you know, you want to talk about, like, Molly had the spinning back elbow, right? But just a vicious one-punch knockout unreal what a what a statement from Tuporia again to show that he can win up a weight class against a guy that truthfully is much bigger than other people at 155 makes me feel more confident in him being able to do what we talked about Friday where he said he talked to Dana hey uh, can I go back and forth and apparently they said yes getting this win makes me feel a little bit more cozy in that fact
0: and Honestly, like Tuporia's looked pretty flawless, and this fight is the first time he's really ran into any trouble. Yeah. And honestly, it kind of makes me even more confident in him moving ahead. I mean, Herbert might not be the toughest fight he's ever going to have, or toughest, best opponent. It's not necessarily the highest level opponent he's ever going to have. But as far as an actual like matchup, I mean, it was a tough matchup in terms of the striking levels and, uh, I think Tuporia able to weather a storm a bit, able to survive a round while being on wobbly legs, I think that does say a lot. Yeah, I agree. After that, Paul Craig, Dominic. This guy. This was a great <laughs> call by you. I <laughs> didn't make it look easy, but hell Paul no. Craig gets the submission over Nikita Krylov, also round one, about four minutes. And I saw Luke Thomas talking about this on Twitter. He was talking about how Paul Craig is basically like a unicorn where he, does, he can't think of another fighter who has gotten more wins off in the brink of defeat. Yeah, yeah. Basically losing a fight and then just winning out of nowhere. Yes. Um, And I completely agree. I mean, I thought this was about done. Krylov was landing good shots and I guess you would call it ground and pound or while yeah. Craig was on his back. I mean, this has got to be in the submission of the year category right now for how quick and vicious getting that head and arm tri- head and arm triangle in was. Um, this was just, I mean, spectacular submission win for Paul Craig. Dominic, I know you were a big believer in Paul Craig in this matchup. Obviously, didn't come easy, but with this win, how? Close are we to Paul Craig being in the top you know getting it on with the top five
1: I loved his call out he called out Anthony Smith I just love Anthony Smith I could watch him fight anybody in the division It don't matter who it is but him Paul Craig he called for a five-round main event he called for it to be in Glasgow Scotland and in his home turf which I don't know if that'll happen but UFC's starting to travel either way I think that's a sick fight Anthony Smith you know, a stud on the ground. I feel like every time we talk about Anthony, I have to mention, guys, don't forget, he's amazing on the, in the grappling realm. So, uh, you know, on the feet, he could cause some problems. But on the ground, we could see some sick transitioning and grappling between those two. Uh, it's amazing what Paul Craig continues to do, uh, to, to do this. You know, he this is the same guy, by the way, people. I don't know if you realize this, but Ankalayev, Magomed Ankalayev, who just won last week, has one loss. In UFC, And it was to Paul Craig after he was dominating him for 14 minutes and 59 seconds. Paul Craig submitted him with the same triangle choke with one second left in the fight. So that's the thing about a guy like Paul Craig. He's always dangerous if you just give him the slightest of openings. And uh, that's what we saw here on Saturday.
0: Yeah, Paul Craig, man, he is such a tough fighter to evaluate because I said on Friday, that I love his fight style. It's very fun to watch, but I don't know how far you can take it. Yeah. Especially, like, again, this kind of performance where he gets kind of beat up and then just one opening and he just snatches Boom. it and it's done. Yeah. Now, what his benefit or something to his benefit is that there's not a lot of fighters in the UFC in this division who have submission capabilities like this and, and, or even are much, uh, acclimated to like the ground game, you know it's a lot more strikers in the light. Heavy I feel like it's just. only
1: Anthony, like that's it, you know.
0: I mean, maybe Glover Teixeira has some stuff on maybe Glover, I mean, yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Anthony Smith is very underrated on the ground. Um, yeah, him, Paul Craig, and Anthony Smith—that's probably a great fight. I think there's a lot of great fights you can do with Paul <laughs> Craig. Yeah, again, I didn't walk away from this thinking, you know, I'm still not. sold on paul craig as like a title challenger or anything like that but i'm willing to let him (laughs) see how far he can go you know you don't know until you try and i think an anthony smith matchup's a good gauge for maybe where he is right now
1: right and you real quick do you think just due to this win streak he's on he's getting some decent names under his belt do you think a main event like a fight night main event would be Reasonable for Paul Craig now?
0: Uh, No, but no. I like that at least... I, I, I don't mind that that's where his head's at. And if it was in Scotland, it would make sense. Yeah. But to me, even though it's a great fight, him Anthony Smith... You know, Anthony Smith... Again, I don't know if that fight's going to happen because Anthony Smith, I feel like, might be... He's close ...one away from a title fight. And I don't think Paul Craig is necessarily there. But, um... You know, if it's like the co main event or a feed, I mean, think of this fight was kind of they put it on the prelims, yeah, it was kind of buried here, yeah, and that obviously shouldn't have been the case. But it's hard for me to think that they're going to go from Paul Craig in the middle of the prelims to throwing him in a main event spot, mm-hmm. nor do I necessarily think they should. I like my main events to be like That's title true. eliminators, title fights, or something that has a lot at stake. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Craig versus Anthony Smith doesn't really scream fight night headliner. I mean Anthony Smith, if there's someone that's <laughs> going to headline a fight night, it's Anthony Smith. But, true. Um I do I do appreciate though that the confidence is there and I wouldn't be opposed to it, but yeah. I just I'm not going to necessarily support it either. Definitely want to see Paul Craig get a big matchup next. Actually, Dominic I would love to see him fight Dominic Reyes next. That's a
1: sick fight. We haven't seen Dom in forever, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he fought
0: about a year ago. Yeah. But then, you know, it had been a while before that where he lost to Jan. Yeah, He's taken a couple tough losses. I think it's good for him that he's taken time off. But That's true. Unfortunately, if he wants to gain back any momentum, he's going to have to eventually get in there. And I think a Paul Craig matchup would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, a not guy with momentum. Not necessarily someone you have to worry about knocking you out but obviously he does have lethal ability on the ground on his back. Um, fun fight. I actually would rather that be the fight next. Yeah,
1: I do like that.
0: Jack Shore and Timor Valiev, two promising bantamweight prospects at the head, Dominic end Fight of the night. Jack Shore ends up getting the unanimous decision win. This was a great fight. Mm. Exactly how I thought it was going to go down, basically. Timor Valiev gave him every bit mm-hmm. of who he was and jack shore just able to edge this fight out um i didn't feel very comfortable even when the judges were going to read the scorecards i wasn't sure who was going to mm-hmm. get the nod but i think the right man won here and jack shore his undefeated streak continues he's 16 and 0 now i think
1: yeah and 6 5 and 0 in the ufc and i mean this guy
0: Talk about a well-rounded skill set. Talk about a fight that shows you everything yeah. that the guy has. I mean, he used every weapon available to win this fight. And round three was a perfect encapsulation. Oh. Almost could have been a 10 of damage yeah. he, he gave out to Valiev in that round.
1: Two um, knockdowns, I think.
0: Jack Shore, I don't know where what's next for him, but it's getting close, Nominate. We're getting oh. close to... To a number next to this guy's name
1: yeah there's no reason not to give him a ranked opponent in my opinion next this this guy we've been talking about Jack Shore for a while and he's, he's literally he's 5 in UFC and you say you said it perfectly he just showed everything in this fight and that's what he's done every single UFC fight you see a complete skill set super well rounded his fight IQ is second to none he's so intelligent and defending himself. So we needed to see a fight like this where there was some adversity at least from a valley of here that he showed, but he was able to weather it to you know come back. That third round especially was a big statement round for Jack Shore. Uh, he needs to be fighting top 15 next. I don't care what anybody says. This dude yeah. is like a legitimate title threat.
0: Yeah, Jack Shore is, you know, obviously got a lot of ability on the feet. Two takedowns in every UFC fight so far. Yep. At least. At least two takedowns, I should yeah. say. But yeah. So, I mean, I, I just think that, yeah, that was the story here. Valiev, a great fighter. Uh, probably this probably boosted him. Yes. In a lot of people's eyes. And I think that's good. But I think Jack Shore was just a bit more well rounded. And that's ultimately why he won this fight. Yep. Our prelim curtain jerker, Dom. The debuting 21-year-old Muhammad Mohayev mm-hmm. got the first round, mm-hmm. first-minute submission mm-hmm. of Cody Durden. This was a fight that Mohaev called for as his debut. He yeah. talked a big game. Cody Durden got on a lot of people's bad side after his uh, last win and maybe some of the things he said on the mic after the fact. Mohayev called his shot. He said he was going to come in and dominate Cody Durden, and he did just that. Dominic, what kind of potential are we looking at with the 21-year-old Mohayev here?
1: I think we're looking at a future champion, Noah.
0: I was going to say that. I was going to make the proclamation you made.
1: Yeah, well, listen, listen. So cause he Because
0: of... you didn't come right out and make the pro. I should have tweeted it. <laughs> because you did. I should have copied your tweet. And just and with put it just looked like that for yeah. now with yeah, yeah. Mohayev. Because he's one fight into the UFC and I'm already like, yeah, ranked guy next. I mean, he could beat John Jones's record, I think.
1: That's his goal. I was literally about to get get into that. He said he wants to be the youngest UFC champion of all time. He's 21. He has two. He has over what two years. I think someone said it's like seven hundred and eighty five days or something like that from the time the fight happened. So it's like, oh, that's over two years. Quick math. That's more than enough time in the flyweight division. That's not very, you know, deep. Right. He could easily get that. And if anybody's going to do it in any weight class, it's a guy like this in Mojave who does have the complete well-rounded skill set with the phenomenal grappling that not many others have outside of Askar Askarov in this weight class. This kid, I, I, he there was so much hype coming in. And I'm like, well, you know, let's see it. I want to see it. Because Cody Durden on paper is a big test. Gets rid of him in fifty-seven seconds. By the way, started to get the submission with a flying knee that almost knocked his ass out cold on the feet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, future champion.
0: <laughs> I want to see him fight Manel Cape next. By the way, oh my goodness, are you going to put our boy in there with Melih? I can't. I put Manel Cape, man. He's so good yeah. when he's on. And man, that would be a huge test, though. Like the, yeah. I mean, the disparity and the the experience. I mean, whew. There's a lot of
1: fun mm. matchups at
0: Flyweight. for. He might Ohio. get
1: ranking next, Noah. He might fight for a
0: ranking. I mean, there's only like 20, fighters or yeah. something like that on the Flyweight roster. So. Maybe we'll fight uh, Sue Matareji. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, not my boy, Sue. <laughs> You're just trying to get all my boys. <laughs> I know, to I live. know. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Weekend Recap. Ooh. Once again, thank you guys for bearing with us, for being able to adjust your schedules to uh view our episode a little later than normal uh this will not be the norm we'll be right back thursday normal time 9 a.m right that's the upload time yeah I yeah yep. 6 a.m on, on spotify mm-hmm. so we'll be right back to it then I'll our be normal to layout my normal i'll be back to my uh, normal studio with the headphones the microphone yeah we won't have to do this stuff so uh thank you guys Um, until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find us on social media.
1: Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at dsley14. Go give me your thoughts on Tom Aspinall, by the way. More importantly, go follow and engage with us on Twitter, on Instagram, the podcast, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast.
0: And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at N-T-Baker underscore. If you go to the link in my bio, there is a link tree that will take you to a list of links yes. to all the platforms the podcast is on, along with those social media platforms that include the Twitter, the YouTube, the Instagram, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. It's all on there. There's a couple of links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out Shout to out. Anchor. Um, first, leaving a voice message. Let us know, is Tom Aspinall a future title holder? Is Muhammad Mohayev a future title holder? let us know. Also, uh, if you would like to become a financial supporter of the podcast, there's a link you can use it there. Um, And we just appreciate any and all support. That's it. We're out. We'll see you guys on Thursday.